Hello and welcome to The Crumb, a podcast from Bake From Scratch magazine. We're here to talk baking in all forms, the people, the culture, and the baked goods that make us run to preheat our oven. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Crumb. I'm Kyle Grace Mills, the managing editor at Bake From Scratch magazine. And I'm Brian Hart Hoffman, the editor-in-chief of Bake From Scratch. And today's episode is one you probably haven't even thought of the subject matter before. Yeah, you've seen like the back of the box recipes before. You've maybe heard about these competitions, but you haven't really, you really don't know about the world of competitive baking. And we are going to be talking about that today with a very special guest. But first, Brian, what have you been baking recently? So many things. And that's the, that's my always answer, I think, right? So many things. That's just welcome to the world of Brian's having a lot of cravings for summer produce, and then we're getting closer to fall, so I'm already dreaming about autumn <laughs> flavors, and yes. But two exciting things that I've been baking. First, croissants, and not just the three-day process croissants, because I'm not a very patient person. And with a busy schedule, sometimes I don't have the time to do the proper butter block and all of that, so... Our test kitchen team here at Bake From Scratch created the most amazing genius croissant recipe that you can make in one day. And I've been making it. (laughs) Yeah, it's a game changer for sure. You know, it is not going to be 100%, you know, replicate the traditional, you know, butter block lamination process. But this is a really, I, I liken it to when we do rough puff pastry. So we do a quick puff. This is your quick croissant. So think of it as like the craving hits, the flavors are there, the crispy outer edges, the butter. We're talking deliciousness. So I've been making that. I taught the class for our Williams-Sonoma Baking School, and it was a lot of fun to share this croissant recipe with the audience over in baking school. But the recipe started with an illustration of a croissant. And you're thinking, why in the world did that start this process? So I was invited to be a part of this year's No Kid Hungry campaign with William Sonoma, where I was given the challenge of designing a spatula that would be featured in their annual lineup. So they release, I think, eight to 10 spatulas every year in partnership with uh, No Kid Hungry. And they ask various personalities and celebrities to be a part of it. So talk about a pinch me dream come true moment when the phone call came. And I was in a French destination having a vacation when the call came. And I am very inspired by those moments of like, how will I remember this moment forever that that phone call came? So I thought, well, I need to put croissants on the spatula so that my love for and continued (laughs) anytime I can be in France or eating French pastries, we're talking, yes, Amen. So I wanted to have a croissant design that was featured on the spatula. So Kelly Redding, an illustrator and good friend of Bake From Scratch, she used to be on the creative team here. She still does some things for us. She has the gift of illustration and art. So she took my brain's idea, drew these amazing designs, and voila, they are on spatulas and kitchen towels at Williams-Sonoma right now. So if you... Love the way I just described that. And even if you 
are still wanting to look at it to make a decision, I would encourage you, please support the spatula campaign. It doesn't matter if you buy the one I designed or any of the celebrity designed spatulas. William Sonoma raises so much money every year for No Kid Hungry, and that is putting meals on the tables of children in need. And that is why I am so excited to always support No Kid Hungry in any way that I can. And being a part of this campaign was a dream come true. Absolutely. And these past two years have been particularly hard for children who haven't been getting their regular school lunches because of quarantine. Right. So it's more important than ever to be raising money for them. And I just have a hard time being in the professional food world and not be a part of ending hunger because we're talking about baking. And if you're baking croissants or you're baking something sweet, you have food to eat. You're not baking for daily survival and nourishment. So if we're making something sweet to indulge in, I've also got to pour my heart and soul into making sure that every table has food around the world for that matter, not just here in the U.S. So that campaign is a fun one. And we have started our baking retreats again. So in person, it's been unreal to be back in the kitchen with bakers. We are taking all the proper precautions, wearing masks and doing things so that we can keep each other safe. But it is still a really nice moment to have been in the kitchen with amazing bakers in our community. And we kicked things off in Birmingham in our hometown here in Alabama with a baking retreat. And my favorite recipe that I've been making, not just for the retreat, but ever since, are you ready? You already know. I know. It's. I, I'm gonna guess. It starts with an H. Maybe hummingbird. It's a hummingbird. And then we're not gonna yeah. say a hummingbird cake. <laughs> I know everyone listening is like, this guy talks about hummingbird cake all the time. It's not hummingbird cake. Hummingbird sweet rolls. Hummingbird sweet rolls. So you know, move over, cinnamon roll. You've got your moment. You've got your place in the comfort baking list. But these hummingbird sweet rolls with banana, pineapple, brown sugar, pecan cream cheese glaze. And then, you know, of course, my signature pour the cream over the sweet rolls before baking trick. So it's like a pan of centers. I imagine this recipe will find its way into an issue of Bake From Scratch coming up soon, or the recipe will be online because now that I'm talking about it, why wouldn't we share it? Yeah, that would be just a little cruel. It was first created for our bakers. So they've had the experience in Birmingham. So they got the recipe first, but then we've got to bring it to the rest of the baking world. What about you? So we had in our July, August, a whole custard cream, birds yes. custard cream, like play down. And I have always loved it. Um, you know, when I visited Canada to touch base with some of my relatives up there, I got myself a birds custard, you know, cream. I mean, that's ridiculous that I bought it in Canada and it tastes different. It doesn't taste different. But I was just like, <laughs> it's a Canadian, you know, tub of it, not an American tub of it. So I... Uh, cracked that open and I made two of our custard cream um, or custard powder recipes. I made the custard cream cookies, which are amazing. They're amazing. They so delicious. And they're classics in, um, you know, the UK and in Canada. Like they're almost like Oreo level fame in I those places. every time I'm in the Bahamas because yes. of the British pantry there. You can find the British ingredients. I stock up on custard creams. I even put them in the freezer and then eat them frozen. That's another conversation. And they're super yellow because that custard cream has like a little bit of yellow food coloring because they're trying to, you know, show the yolk of it. And they're gorgeous. And you can stamp them. I didn't stamp mine because, you know, I'm not. You were there for the deliciousness. I was there just to eat. Sometimes it doesn't have to be pretty. And the other recipe we have is a no-churn custard ice cream. And oh my gosh, I love it. 
It is. I, so I have been very disappointed in the past with no churn ice creams because it's just like to me, it always comes off a little too icy flavored. Yeah. Like it's just too much ice crystals. This recipe's got the idea of like folding in whipped cream in with your like sweet and condensed milk. So the fluffiness is coming from like the whipped cream and it is so good, so delicious. And then, and then the then custard that, powder. And then the custard powder just sends it all home. So those are the two custardy things I've been doing. I'm here for that. I mean, when we decided to take that British, you know, can or what is it? A container of custard powder. Tub, yeah. It's like a tub. Yeah. A tub with a with a rubber lid on it. You know? <laughs> so we took that British ingredient and we wanted to really give it its due. Like we've used it before here and there, but it was time for like a full on appreciation of custard powder and it delivered because I, I love it as well. I love it in every iteration possible. All right, so we've talked about what we're baking. Let's now talk about who we're going to be talking with, which is Tiffany Aaron. She is a competitive baker who has been in the business for about eight, nine years. She is an incredible person. We just featured her in our September-October issue, and she has a recipe in it, and we're going to be talking about that. But Brian, you know Tiffany from back in the day. So I had the pleasure of meeting Tiffany two years ago at the National Festival of Breads in Manhattan, Kansas. And I was uh, asked to go with our friends from Red Star Yeast. They are a sponsor of the podcast and a partner to Bake From Scratch. And they invited me to go so that I could do some baking demonstrations on the main stage. So I had a lot of fun baking for an audience. And I made um, three different iterations of milk bread, which you and I both really, really love, the Tang Zong method, and how to use it in bread uh, in bread making. And then using the platinum yeast from Red Star makes baking so much easier, and I got to showcase the use of the platinum yeast in the bread. Then I was invited to be a judge for a baking competition that takes place at the National Festival of Breads, and Tiffany was a competitor in that competition. And we're going to get into, I've got so many questions for her in today's conversation because I had no idea how this competitive cooking and baking world worked, how you get in the competitions, and do you go again? Do you see people, you know, on repeat? What? I mean, what, right? So since then, I've had the pleasure of following along with Tiffany's baking journey, and I'm going to let her talk about that with us today. But once a competitive baker, always a competitive baker. And we're going to learn more about that in our conversation. So I'm going to quit talking. Let's turn our conversation now and chat with Tiffany Aaron. Hello, Tiffany, and welcome to The Crumb. Hi, thank you for having me. It's been two years since I had the pleasure of meeting you in person. So this is actually a really fun interview because I do actually know you in person. So many times we chat with people and it's (laughs) friends from social media and people from the baking world. But I actually had the pleasure of meeting you at the National Festival of Bread in Kansas two years ago. Yes, yes. I'm sure you remember that I like social media stalked you like prior to that contest <laughs> because I I had listened to I think you had been on a podcast with um, Jeremiah and Amanda. Yes. Um, oh yeah, I was flower, on Flower, flower Hour. Hour yeah. Or something. <laughs> yes, and so I I had like discovered you on Instagram and just fell in love with your page, and that's kind of how you know. And I had written you and 
kind of complimented your page and everything and found out a week later you're going to be a judge at this contest. And I was like, oh, no, no. he's going to think that, you know, I'm kissing up or something. (laughs) No, no, not at all. It was actually such a fun trip for me because it was the first time that I've ever been to the National Festival of Bread. It was an amazing, Mm -hmm. you know, time to meet so many bakers, so many people that love baking. So anytime we're all with baking friends, it is a euphoria. And I was there um, with Red Star Yeast. So they they brought me to be on the stage and do some baking demonstrations. But then the added bonus to that trip was that I had been invited to be a judge for the baking competition. And I really had no idea what to expect. And I'll never forget the first night when we had a welcome dinner and and Gemma Stafford was there kind of doing like a social media recap of everything. And and I met like mm-hmm. other, you know, competitors and judges and sponsors. And, and we were all there together and I was just trying to get the lay of the land for what was going on. And I realized that you already knew a lot of the people that were competing And we're going to talk about this as we get into our (laughs) conversation today. But I thought, and I think I even asked Gemma, does it seem like the competitors already know each other? What have they, like, have they been here all week? (laughs) And she said, Brian, so many of the people competing compete all the time. And they've actually met each other at other competitions. And they are friends in the competitive cooking and baking world. And this started a whole other yeah. like mindset for me because I had never really heard of this amazing group of people, you included, Tiffany, that like dedicated creative time and energy to competing in so many different competitions. And we're going to let you talk about this, but I just had to start this off by saying I was amazed at the e- entire experience. <laughs> and then meeting you and becoming it, your it friend was a highlight. Thing. So. <laughs> Oh, that's, that is so sweet. I know having you and Gemma and just the people they bring in, it just, it adds to the fun for us as well. So it was a pleasure to meet you guys. Well, okay. So you said it adds to the fun. So let's kick this off. Tiffany, we're talking to you today specifically, not just about your amazing baking, which anyone that checks out your social media will see and a recipe in an upcoming issue of Bake From Scratch. But we're going to talk to you specifically about competitive baking. So tell me how you got into the competitive baking circuit. What did you love most about it? And then how did you get hooked to keep going and going and going? So take us back to the beginning of this. Okay. Well, it, it kind of started in 2013. Um, I was browsing the internet and came across an interview with Tina Varelli, who had won the Pillsbury Bake Off the year previous. And at that time, I mean, the prize was still a million dollars. It was a, a huge contest. And I don't know about you guys, but I remembered being a kid and like seeing maybe the little ads on the bags of flour, you know, the, the advertisements, like I knew the Pillsbury Bake Off was out there. I had a basic idea of what it was, but I kind of went right down this rabbit hole of research when I saw Tina's interview and cause she made it seem so, she was so passionate about what she had done. It wasn't just because she had won. It was because she just, she loved baking and she loves creating and it just kind of, she kind of sucked me in and I started researching and found that yeah there's this community of competitive bakers and there are some that 
had been trying to get into the Pillsbury Bake Off for some of them decades, literally decades, and others who had kind of found the magic, you know, magic recipe to get in. Um, and you can only compete in that contest three times. So there are some that like maxed out their, their entries, you know, like in, in a matter of consecutive years. And, and it's like, it, it kind of just got my mind running. Like, what's the secret here? How, how are some people like really nailing this and others are struggling? And I knew there was, there was kind of a formula, I guess, for getting into this contest. And in the process, I came across a website called cooking contest central. And, um, it's, it's kind of a place to go for, they, they list all the contests that are out there actively running. There's message boards. You can ask questions. And I just, I went in with guns blazing and just asked, asked like every question I could think of. And there were a handful of ladies who didn't know me at, at all, who were just so generous with their information and their advice. And, you know, it just, it just really kind of endeared me to them and to that whole community that, yeah, it's competitive, but at the same time, they enjoy seeing people succeed and they enjoy helping people succeed in this. And um, so I entered the Pillsbury Bake Off in 2013 and made the cut. And if you know anything about the contest at the time, they chose 100 finalists from all over the country. And they, they flew us all to Las Vegas. There's a massive ballroom with 100 little kitchens in it. <laughs> Um, there's this big event to kick it off that is, you know, the Grand March. And, I mean, you do the Grand March and, like, you know, you're crying. Like, you realize the magnitude of what, <laughs> of what you've done. And it's kind of emotional and it's overwhelming. And, um, you know, and that's when I saw firsthand kind of what you saw in Kansas where there's all these people that had known each other for years. I mean, some of these ladies, their contesting dates back to the 70s you know like they've no, literally known each other they've seen their kids each other's kids grow up and just you know people who in their real lives probably wouldn't necessarily spend a lot of time together but they have this one thing in common and um it just really brings them together you know and so that was my first first contest i ever entered and from there i thought man i wonder if you know i could really do this and I just, I started just, it's like throwing spaghetti at the wall, you know, just entering everything and didn't do well. I mean, I did not, it took me a few years. And finally a friend of mine, a contesting legend, she's, she's just one of the sweetest people you'll ever meet. And uh, Lisa Keys, I talked to Kyle Grace about her a little bit before when we talked and Lisa told me, she's like, Tiffany, you know, like you have to put you on a plate, kind of find your niche not everybody is going to be good at grilling not everybody's going to know how to make a great steak or a burger you know if your thing is desserts like stick with desserts stick with what you know and what you're good at and make it your own and I really took her advice to heart and when I started doing that is when I started kind of seeing some success and when you get a little taste of that and you start winning things like a year's supply of coffee or <laughs> a KitchenAid mixer <laughs> or whatever it makes you want to keep doing it and it makes you you know for me I almost became more competitive with myself than with other people just seeing kind of what I was capable of and and um you know it just it really sucks you in and so in addition to the challenge of it and kind of the thrill of winning there is the community and 
these friends that you make that are excited for you when you win and they can kind of commiserate with you when you lose and and just overall it's just such a it's such a I don't euphoric maybe I don't know what word to use it's such a thrilling hobby and it really is a hobby because all of us have families and jobs and stuff outside of this and so this is kind of for me it's kind of my little thing outside of my real life where I can just really be creative and be crazy and you know do this thing that I love that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean that camaraderie and the the really the sense of it's it's competitive but it's competitive with yourself and you really want your fellow baker to or cook to succeed. It kind of makes me like I'm I have these like warm and toasty feelings about the Olympics right now and you know thinking about the way our gymnastic team has been with like, you know, Simone Biles and her being so supportive of other people and you you think you add all this like super cutthroat competitive energy to things when really half the time it's just that's your family you know that you're actually competing with yeah. they become yeah. such a close circle of friends and that's that was one of my favorite things when we did our interview was it was uh talking about that so, yeah it, it's so true it go so, ahead Brian no so I was saying so now you've told us about this euphoria and you can't wait to enter and you're winning coffee and mixers and money I'm assuming so like I, I'm guessing you know that million dollar <laughs> goal for the Pillsbury <laughs> bake-off like there's a lot to earn and get by competing so tell us how you prepare what goes into coming up with a recipe how do you nail the winning entry like since you said you started and you weren't doing great or you didn't feel like you were really you know, putting yourself on the plate. I really love that. How do you now put yourself through the process of coming up with that, that entry and take us through what that's like? Well, I think, you know, I can only speak for myself. I feel like probably every, everyone's process is a little different. Um, but, you know, it starts obviously with an idea. And I think there are people that have fantastic ideas, but won't do well at contesting because, there's the element a lot of times of the photography and of writing a title and of knowing how to write a recipe. Um, these judges and these sponsors are not going to take the time to correct your recipe. If it doesn't, you know, lure them in with the title and the picture right away, they're going to toss it. And if they get into a recipe and it's not well written, they're not going to, they, they have better things to do than try to figure it out. You know, so there's all these different elements and, for me, I really struggled with the photography at the beginning and knowing how to play. That's just, it's still not my forte. It's a lot of trial and error. It's taking a hundred pictures to get one that works. You know, it's, it's really a process. And I think a lot of people probably assume that this, the, this hobby, this um, contesting is easy. There's a, there's a lot that goes into it. It's a lot of time. Sometimes it's a lot of money. Um, you know, but obviously the risk is worth the reward. Whether whether you win or not, it's it's so fun to just get in the kitchen and create and to challenge yourself with these things and and um, you know as far as uh, you know preparing for a competition, there's there's kind of two different types of competition. One is the online recipe contest where there's not time limits. You might have recipe or um, ingredient limits sometimes, um, but you can really take your time and submit the recipe and they'll announce the winners online. There's not the in-person competition factor, but then you have the live cook-offs or bake-offs and that's a whole other animal, <laughs> you know, because you have the clock, you have the clock to deal with. 
there's travel, there's preparing, there's practicing, there's a lot of times carrying all of your own equipment um, and not forgetting things. We've all been there where we get to a competition and realize we forgot a crucial tool or ingredient or something. Um, so there's a lot of note taking, a lot of practicing, of just being very thorough with preparations so that you can at least feel, even if you lose, you can leave feeling like you've done your best and that you came well prepared. And hearing you talk about the photography and writing a recipe, I'm like, we're actually doing a lot of the same work in different genres in the baking world because that writing a recipe and writing it so that judges or readers at home can make a recipe from the pages of our magazine or from your recipes you're submitting, I I, I identify with a lot of what you're talking about. And, and I remember when Instagram started... And feeling now that pressure to then, you know, photograph what I was baking over the weekends. And I look back at some of the beginning <laughs> photos that I took. And now I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, <laughs> it really is something we push ourselves. <laughs> we don't just bake. Now we take photos yeah. of things. Then we've got to make sure the recipe's written. But but that preparation really does matter. So uh, I, lo- I love hearing everything that goes into it. It really is. It really is a lot of fun. A lot of, you know, a lot of people start with when they're creating, they start with the title and work backwards. Other people start with the ingredients in their pantry and work from that. You know, it's just everybody has their own um, unique approach to this. And it's fun for me to talk to other competitors and see what their process is, you know, for preparing and, and entering and stuff as well. And we also want to know about your favorite competitions you've been a part of. So all of them are obviously fun and bring a little different thing to the table. But, you know, where have been some of your favorite places to go to as well as, you know, uh, compete in? And then what have been some of your favorite creations? Like, it doesn't matter if you won. It doesn't matter if it was a certain baking competition. But what was like some of the favorite things you've entered into a competition that were you on a plate? Well, Obviously, National Festival of Breads is a huge highlight. Um, that is just a top-notch competition. And it's great because we're, we're sort of within driving distance from Arkansas to Kansas. So I've been able to take my family. I've been a finalist twice. That's another contest where you can only be a finalist three times. So I've been a finalist twice, never won. But my family looks forward to going. I mean, they love it. It's just such a, a great event. They take such good care of us. And it's just such a great atmosphere, very relaxed. Um, you know, that, that is probably one of my favorites. The other is world food championships, which we have coming up in November. Um, that's, that's kind of a different ball game there because they, it's home cooks versus professionals. Um, there's a time limit, a very strict time limit that we have to, we have to beat the clock. I've seen people not make it to the turn in table on time and get disqualified and it's heartbreaking. <laughs> and but at the same time, it kind of adds this element, you know, just this adrenaline rush when you're, when you're trying to beat the clock. And, and that is kind of the family reunion because it's such a larger event, a family reunion of our contesting people every year, because that's where we get to see almost everybody, you know, comes to that, that we know in this, in this um, competitive circuit. And so those, those are ones I really, really look forward to. And as far as um, favorite entries that I've done, that's, that's really tough. I think you kind of get attached to 
all of them, <laughs> especially, you know, regardless of, of how big the prize or anything, they're all kind of your babies. And, um, but probably, probably one of them was, um, in 2017, I, I won $25,000 for a sandwich. And since I'm a dessert girl to win kind of a savory contest was a big deal because I, I feel like that's kind of out of my, my realm a little bit. It's not something that comes easy to me. And, um, so that was a, that was a really exciting one. Um, and then I won a trip to Barcelona, Spain, an all expense paid trip for my husband and I, uh, with, a, a coconut oil bunch cake. And that, that is, will always be very special because that's not a trip we would have taken outside of this. That's not somewhere I honestly would have really ever thought of going. You know, if somebody says, you can go anywhere in the world, I probably wouldn't have said Barcelona. But now that I've been there, I'm so in love with it and hope that at some point we can we can go back. So I hope that answers your question. I could I could keep going with like, no, you know, it's amazing. things like that. But, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's amazing how many <laughs> doors have been opened, not just like for your confidence and for feeling wonderful about something you're creating, but also getting to go basically on a second honeymoon to a destination you would never have thought to go to. <laughs> and I'm dying to know what sandwich was it that won? <laughs> I, you you said a sandwich, and now I'm like, what sandwich? What? $25,000 yeah. sandwich. What does a 25K sandwich <laughs> taste like? Yeah, it was called America's Best sandwich contest i believe and that they've since discontinued this contest which is a shame so it was so fun but it was sponsored by or wheat and the sandwich I, I don't remember exactly what the title was of it but it was a i, I gr basically grilled like sweet potato steaks and did like a shaved turkey and a um micro green salad that i had made some kind of dressing with like with orange juice and stuff and it had pecans in it but it was a healthy sandwich and um, I'm pretty sure that's about all the there's probably some other sauce and stuff in there as well. But it sounds amazing. Kind of yeah, I, I see why it was a 25K winner. I love sweet potato anything. So when you said <laughs> that, I was like, now we're talking. This is my kind of sandwich. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was it was one of those things, though. I mean, I, I guess when you enter contests, you don't ever really expect to win. But there are definitely entries that you feel more confident about. And this was not one of them. So, so when I got the phone call, I was just, I was like on the floor. You know, I was very surprised. You just never, you never know what they're looking for. And that's, that's kind of another aspect of this is that, you know, you can, even if you're not totally confident in your recipe, enter it anyway. Enter it anyway, because you don't know what they're looking for all the time. No, that is good advice because, you know, I just, I take myself back to the judging seat and, having no expectation of what I was about to experience, starting with the Grand March, like you said, when you guys were walking in, marching down the center aisle, you had your baked goods in your hand to present. Like, it was, like, we are at a, like, it was just an emotional moment to be a part of this baking competition and to see the pride on all of your faces. And then the true grueling experience of judging every single one of the recipes and not having ever tasted any of them as a judge we don't know what we're about to get into so i kind of agree with what you're saying that submit what you are passionate about even if you don't feel great about it when we're sitting up there in the judge's seat 
it can be one bite that makes a difference of something that you say, wow, the flavor nailed it or the technique or the presentation. And I know we judge on all those different elements, but, um, but yeah, it, it, it was such a fun experience to be a judge. So let's shift gears and take you out of the competition for a minute, just to baking at home for pleasure. Something that I think as professional bakers, we all maybe need to remind ourselves a little bit more often that it's okay to make something you want for no reason and you don't have to share it on social and you don't have to do anything but enjoy it. (laughs) Tell me what those things are that you love to make just for fun. And then where do you look for your baking inspiration to guide you in the next mood or moment in baking? You know, it really, it really is a mood. Like yeah, yesterday, right. I made, I made a ton of chocolate chip cookies. It was just, a, it felt like a chocolate chip cookie day, and so I made a bunch of a bunch of those. And you know, some days it's bread. Some days it's just like, oh man, I need a fresh loaf of bread today. And and um, other th- other times it's like when my college kids are home, they want cinnamon rolls. There's certain things that they want, and it's it is just so much fun just to bake for them and to to kind of realize the things that I baked all along that I kind of, I guess, took for granted that are memories for them. You know, things that they remember the house smelling like or um, sweets that I had around the house that they miss when they're at college. And so I, I tend to go back to those, those types of bakes. Um, just more, I guess, the comfort food type things, you know, the classics. Um, and then there are days too where I wake up and I kind of want to challenge myself and I'll pull out like my Mary Berry cookbook or, you know, Braveheart or something, a cookbook and just pick a recipe I've never done before and make it just, just for the challenge of it. I do that too. I, I actually want to make more of kind of a formal like challenge to all of the bakers in the baking community that we get to interact with. Just pick up a cookbook turn a few pages and make something you've never made before. Let new flavors come into your kitchen. Let new techniques come in. And, you know, it just helps to get the creativity going. And it's a great way to engage with some of these beautiful cookbooks that I love to collect and have on the bookcase. And and I do bake from, but I need to challenge myself more often to just open the page and bake what it opened to. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's, it really is a lot of fun. I've encouraged my kids to do the same. And it's a great way to learn. And the nice thing about doing it at home is that if it doesn't turn out, it's okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like nobody's watching you to, to judge you or score you or anything. It's just doing it just from the heart. And for and the smile, you you the smile something. on the faces exactly. of the people that eat it, that's <laughs> the best judging and reward and winning moment in baking, even though the euphoria that comes from the competitions is pretty nice, too. <laughs> I agree. I agree. So, you know, you made an amazing recipe for our magazine for our September-October issue. And we really want to talk about it because I know you talked to me about how you went to your pantry and you had pandemic struggles and it inspired you to make this specific cookie, which you named, I think, pretty excitingly, malted maple milk chai chews. Now, it's not easy to say four or five times fast, but it looks delicious on the page. It has pretty much everything I like to eat in it. I'm a big malt fan. I'm a big chai fan. I'm a big maple fan. But you 
told me that it was all kind of inspired by this pandemic pantry shortage that, you know, you ran into. And I'd love for you to tell, you know, our listeners a little bit about that. Yeah. So, you know, one of the big shortages was flour, obviously. Um, I had trouble finding just regular all-purpose flour there for a few months. And I was standing in my pantry one day and just kind of challenged myself to, you know, you look, you look in your pantry, regardless of, I, I have crazy ingredients just because of what I do, but even people who don't compete and don't buy those, you know, different kinds of sugars and things, you can, you can find substitutes everywhere. Um, you can grind down Cheerios to make cereal flour or pretzels to make pretzel flour and, you know, substitute some of that for some of the all-purpose so that you can kind of ration what you know, what the all-purpose flour you have on hand. And I think for these cookies, I had maple sugar. And so I swapped out some maple sugar for granulated sugar. Um, You know, if you look hard enough, you can find great substitutes for everyday ingredients. And it's it's a perfect example of um, um, necessity is the mother of invention um, when it comes to baking because – if you don't have something on hand that you you know that the recipe calls for, it's a great opportunity to find some to try something new. Um, I mean, I could I could go on and on about the things that I pulled out of my pantry and you know tried to play with, and some of it turned out and some of it didn't. But the experimenting was a blast, and you know developing new recipes with ingredients you wouldn't necessarily think to put in a cookie or or whatever was just really a lot of fun. And these cookies are amazing for everyone listening so beautiful so delicious you'll see the the picture in the magazine and and you can read even more about tiffany there but i just have to say when you talk about that flashback to all-purpose flour not being on the shelf during the pandemic (laughs) for bakers and professional bakers we were like heart palpitations I mean, forget the run on toilet paper. Like, uh, I'll let everyone have all the toilet paper. <laughs> I was running for the flour aisle. Like, I have got to ensure that I can get enough flour to bake my way through those months in the pandemic. And if this recipe is the result of that necessity, then I am, you've won that competition, Tiffany. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you guys enjoyed them. That, that was one of our favorites. And, you know, I'm a big fan of, cream-filled cookies and soft cookies. Same. I, I would not do well on, like, the Great British Bake Off because I don't like those cookies with a snap. I like them soft and, like, melt in your mouth, you know? But, you and I are on the same was, side of that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always in that comfort conversation with people about Team Crispy Cookie or Team Chewy. And if you're not on Team Chewy, yeah. I accept your apology. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, I'm with you. And I know that when you said grinding up Cheerios to make Cheerio flour, I know Brian was immediately thinking about grinding up Apple Jacks and making Apple Jack flour. So you've definitely inspired something else. And I did do that when I made the Apple Jacks cereal milk bunt cake. I need more of that Apple Jacks flavor. And I had that same aha. Let's take the Apple Jacks and make a flour out of it to get even more in the batter. Even more sugar and everything. It's perfect. Yeah, it worked. It worked great. And, you know, I, I look forward to sometimes challenging myself, like giving myself a chopped type 
challenge where like I'm not going to the store today. I'm only using what I have on hand. And I've, I've placed in some contests with that because I thought, I feel like what's in my house is who I am, going back to putting me on a plate. Um, what's in my house is things that we're going to eat all the time and what we're going to, you know, be using. And so, yeah, I, I enjoy just challenging myself with whatever I can dig up out of my out of my cupboards. And and that's one of them. I love love making alternative flowers and and things like that. And it the result is often just really delicious and something you never would have expected. And there you have it, everyone. Tiffany challenges herself every day. She wins that competition every day. And then (laughs) she submits to so many competitions. You now know why we had to have this conversation. Tiffany, thank you so much for joining us on The Crom. I am even more interested in learning about the competitive baking world. And I'm going to be following along for all of your entries and competitions. And we wish you the absolute best. You're going to have to call me when you get that million-dollar prize. (laughs) Thank you guys for having me. And thank you for putting out such an amazing magazine. I know it inspires home bakers like me all the time and just really helps us kind of on this journey of, of, you know, becoming a great baker. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. And I can't wait to have you back on The Crumb for more updates. (laughs) Thank you, guys. That's a that was a warm and fuzzy one. I feel very you know excited after that of like I gotta go reach out to a friend that I've, I've baked with before and who loves to bake and I've gotta talk to them and we need to enter a competition. I don't know that you they're gonna see that you work at Bake from Scratch and be like she can't enter. Yeah, there's probably like fine print about. Sorry, I don't want to disappoint you. Well, I'm changing my name, moving yeah, to a new location. There you go, an alias. Yeah. Submit. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Tiffany, I mean, listen to this, right? They're friends. And I think I like that even more now after learning and observing and being there with Tiffany in Kansas and then asking, I mean, I went Oprah level on the interview questions like, so you all know each other? Wait, so you're all friends? Yeah, we love each other. Her kid, her, you know, grandchild, this, this. I'm like, and then we get into competition and they present baking from their hearts. And I think that's the true competition. It's not with each other or looking over at the other kitchen and thinking, oh, should I have done this or did I not do that? Watching these competitors make the breads for that competition, they were focused on their own work and their own recipe and the passion that comes from what they do. And then they get to showcase it at these events. And so the judging is just I honestly can say, I think I probably said this from the stage. I wish everybody could be the winner because all of the recipes that I tasted were amazing. They all made the finalists. Remember, they've gone through rigorous rounds of eliminations in recipes, making it to those final. So when you're judging, you're eating like amazing recipes that have gotten a lot of love and time and attention. So hearing Tiffany talk, it's such a fun community of people. And I can't wait to see where she and some of the other competitors that I had the pleasure of meeting, where they go next. And I mean, I need that, like one of them to win the million dollar prize. That would just be like the most exciting celebration. Or the next time they, you know, get a trip to Barcelona, they take one of that. Since I can't enter because of a conflict of interest. Right, And if your husband's busy and you need someone to go, Kyle Grace and I (laughs) will fight over the spot. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll rock, paper, scissors that. (laughs) 
Thank you guys again for tuning into this another episode of The Crumb. Uh, we have another special thank you to our sponsors. We've mentioned Red Star, but we'd also love to mention CNH Sugar and Kerrygold Butter. And these products, you will find them in our pantries. You will find them in our fridges. We're not just saying this. These are the best ingredients, and we love working with them. And their support makes our podcast possible so that we can keep talking about baking and keep inviting guests on that are just make you smile from ear to ear because that's what the baking world is all about is sharing our love and passion for baking and smiling and you know Kyle Grace we normally end each episode by asking each other what we're going to bake but I actually feel like we both are going to be making malted maple milk chai chews. Yep, I think that was I a think, given. Right, I, I don't want to bore everybody with a with a given. We yeah. don't need to like, yeah, <laughs> that's on our baking list and we hope it will be on yours as well. Thanks everyone for listening to another episode. Please don't hesitate to give us feedback. Send us messages so we can know what you want to hear more of on The Crumb. And in the meantime, I wish everyone happy baking and we will see you or chat with you next time here on The Crumb. If you liked our podcast, please rate, subscribe, and tell a friend about us. To keep up with all of our baking endeavors, follow our editor-in-chief and co-host, Brian, on Instagram at Brian Hart Hoffman. You can follow Bake From Scratch on Instagram at The Bake Feed. For online recipes and fresh baking content, go to our website, bakefromscratch.com, and sign up for our newsletter, Preheat. Finally, for in-real-life baking inspiration, grab our magazine on newsstands or subscribe through our website.